0: E-S-N-Y.
1: Fifth, a little after 7 o'clock, rolling as always with one, the only, the incomparable Chip Murphy. Chip, how's it going, my guy? Wow, great intro. That's right. I have energy yeah. tonight. I'm so ready.
2: I don't think I've ever been called any of those things. Uh, I'm good, man. How are you?
1: I'm good, dude. Just uh, just back in Astoria, Was was up with the parents for a little bit, just hanging with them. Um, very excited for tonight's episode. Uh, as any listener knows, we've been going through our NBA A through Z series, and we are at the New York Knicks. Uh, and both that chip- sucks for you guys. It <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> certainly. And, and to share in the pain, we brought some friends along, um, as only Knicks fans know how to do. Um, so we are super pumped to bring on two awesome writers, content creators, uh, Sports Illustrated's featured writers, done a ton of draft stuff Chris Percyinen. And the Dean of Nick's Film School, uh, co-host of the Hoop Spy podcast, and Nick's Film School podcast, and countless other things as well. Jonathan Macri, guys, how you doing? And thank you for coming on the show.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm just proud to be Chris Percy Inan's mentor. I feel like at this point, the rate I'm going, my my tombstone is going to have father, uh, father, loving father, husband, and half-decent guide to uh, wandering soul, Chris Percy Inan.
3: Thank you for having us on. Uh, John, they're going to put Asshole on there too.
1: Um,
3: (laughs) How are you guys? Everything's good?
1: Everything is good. Uh, I'm sure Chip, John, and I feel like we're living through you right now a little bit. We're all kind of remembering our uh, college days, seeing you move in. I'm like, yo, he's in a dorm right now. Like, he's actually in a dorm. And uh, I remember my first days on Binghamton, man. It was a wild, wild fucking ride. So just... Enjoy the shit out of it. That's, that's really all I have to say.
3: This is, we moved in Sunday afternoon, so this is full day number two uh, on campus. Pretty exciting stuff, honestly. Classes start tomorrow. I don't have a single day with more than two classes in a day, and I only have to wake up earlier than 11 a.m. once.
0: What, wow. What's your first class?
3: Uh, I think macro economics tomorrow. Okay. Tomorrow in the morning. I like got like 11, something like that.
0: Okay. I, I if it's an old bald guy teaching it, um, young woman, I had the same dude um, 20 years ago or 19 years ago. So. And I'm really <laughs> really old. Uh, let's talk about the Knicks. That, that's actually less depressing than talking about how long <laughs> ago
1: that I was. Talking. Well, uh we'll we'll start it okay. off. We'll start off here. This was a thought that I had the other day. I, I missed the the conversation that's going um about the Knicks right now. There's a lot of draft talk. There's a lot of Fred VanVleet talk. Um, Tibbs has been hired. He's in the process of filling out his coaching staff as well. But uh, some of the recent reports that have come out have linked guys like Devin Vassell or Vassell, Isaac Okoro, Killian Hayes, Cole Anthony to the Knicks. Um, I'll start with John, but anyone can pop in here. The year that the Knicks selected Kevin Knox, you didn't start hearing his name until closer to the draft. There was the infamous phone call with Scott Perry and his dad. Then you had the workout with Miles Bridges. Um, Leon Rose has been on record as saying that he was preparing as if this draft was June 25th. Uh, Do you think that the leader in the clubhouse has been leaked already? Or do you think that it's someone uh, still to come? You know, I I know I like a guy like Kira Lewis Jr. Haven't seen a ton of, um, you know, reporters talk about him yet. But w- what would you say to that?
0: Um. So two things, three things I would say, and this is I'll, I'll full transparency. I have no idea what what they're gonna do. Um. I think I think the Rose regime thus far has been. Playing it close to the vest, um, I think people within the garden have a sense of what they're thinking generally, and maybe some players that they like, but as far as specifics, like if this guy's there, we're going to take this guy, or we're going to give up this package to get lamella ball. I don't think anybody knows shit. I don't know shit. No, like anybody says they know that my personal opinion is that they're full of it. What I can tell you is that I think I'm, I'm fairly certain that they, the, the report that they like to I said as much that I had heard the same. thing. I think that's real. Um, I think that's a real thing. The coral thing I actually heard, I don't think I've, I'm confused by, or I forget what I put in my own newsletter. If I have this in my newsletter for tomorrow, whatever. uh, Someone said to me that they thought that there's a possibility that the Okoro thing might be smoke. I don't know. Honestly, I just, I had heard that. Um, In terms of like, oh, the the two other things I was going to say. One, um, Walt Perrin, I think it's important to note that back in April when he was still with the Jazz, he said that this draft after the top 15 was like a big mishmash. But I thought it was interesting that he said that there was a definitive – he didn't say definitive, but he was like after the first 15. So to me, that means that in his eyes, back then in April, when he had already done a lot of scouting, because um, God knows the Jazz are as prepared as anyone, that that was his opinion, that there was definitely a tier. Um, and then the the third thing I'll note is that Berman now a couple times in his in his papers and, – and, you know, Berman's funny – a lot of people talk to Berman. He gets a lot of shit from people, but he knows, I think more than he lets on. And he's been doing this for so long. He just doesn't care at this point. And he snuck into a couple of his columns that the idea of them trading down, which is why I've dedicated my whole uh, week of Nick's film school newsletters to trade down ideas. I think that's legit. And I think it matches up with the notion of, of again, Perrin thinking that there are, there's like a, a top general tier of guys before you have this, this drop off. Um, the one, the only other thing I'll say, and this is more speculation by me than anything. I don't think that they're dead set on getting a point guard at the with their first pick. I, you know, I think they're gonna take. I think they're gonna take the guy that they think makes the most sense for this team. And I think what they're looking for is any guard or wing who could shoot the ball. Um, and which gets us back to is the Okoro thing, smoke. So we'll see. That's that's all I got for you.
1: Chris, how about you? I mean, um, there's there's so much news around with who the Knicks would pick. I mean, um, I know you've done a ton of draft work. Uh, you know, what would be some of the guys that would be really high up on your list? It obviously depends on on who's taken. But of Basel, Okoro, Hayes, Cole Anthony, um, which one stands out among, amongst that crowd?
3: Those guys, Killian. Killian is my number two prospect on my big board you know, regardless of team. Uh, and then especially on, you know, my, my next big board, I have him number two as well. Only only Ball is ahead of him. Um, what the, the way I like to describe the both of them is Killian Hayes, wherever point A is and wherever point B is, Killian Hayes can get the ball from point A to point B. LaMelo Ball can do it behind the back and with his eyes closed. Like that's the, that's the difference between those guys to me. So I have Ball above Killian, but I, I really love Hayes. And I hate, I, I'm, I hate to go on this mini rant, but I hate when people are like, oh, Frank Nilakina, he's French. I don't want another French. I'm like, he's, 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 he was born in Florida. What the hell? He, he was born and he grew up in France because his dad played there. He was born in Florida. He plays more like D'Angelo Russell than Frank Nilakina. So when people say that, oh, another, another French point guard, they're not going to draft him. I'm like, you have not watched a second of tape in your life on Killian Hayes because that kid is a certified baller. I love watching him play.
1: One thing I wanted to ask about uh, Killian, um, I've done like a fair amount of research on him. I, I have, I'll be honest, I have not watched full games uh, from him. But the one thing I haven't seen reported too much about it is kind of like his mental makeup. You know, just his approach to the game. I, I've not seen anything. Uh, you know, quotes from coaches or anything like that. Anything in your research um, about him kind of lead you to believe that this is a guy that can handle New York. This is a guy that is going to come in on day one and, and really put the work in, you know, to be the best version of himself.
3: So I don't, I don't have quotes to, to pick out from coaches or anything, but what I do know is that how old is Killian Hayes? 19, right? So yeah. We have this 19 year old prospect and, and uh, I'm 18. So <laughs> I, I feel like I was kind of, you know, I'm, I, it's weird that he's only, uh, I've spent so much time watching him play basketball and he's a year older than me. Um, but you know, I watch his interviews. I watch him sit down. Mike Schmitz does these incredible videos. He sits down with prospects. So I watch Killian, you know, watch his own tape. And, um, I watch interviews of Killian cause I, I really, you know, he's number two on my board. I really like this kid. And I just noticed to me, like, from the way I notice that, like my friends who are athletes or kids that I know who play basketball, like the way they talk about basketball, I, you know, I know a few different types of athletes: the super motivated, the I, I do it because I'm good at it. Killian seems like a, a very smart kid who he's almost like analytical in his thought process, like very, very logical. He seems like he thinks through things, and I think that shows itself on the court too with his decision making. It looks like he, he has a he has a plan when he's out there. He's not just doing shit. Um, he, he has a plan. He knows, like, I'm going to drive. I'm going to look for this read. If I don't have that, I'm going to – he knows what's going on. And I love cerebral, smart point guards. I love any any sort of high-IQ player. But obviously point guards who are high-IQ guys like – this is not a comp, but guys like Chris Paul. I know Chip is a fan. Yes, Chip.
1: The actual <laughs>
3: quarterback of the team on both ends of the court um, – those high IQ guys who they just kind of, they run stuff. Like you run things through them. They're the, they're the brain of the offense and Killian projects that way to me. I think he's the kind of guy who can make the right reads and in, in tough situations, in a crunch. And to me, I think uh, coming to New York, you know, you asked specifically about the mental makeup about that it requires to play in New York city. Um, I, I I can only assume from what I know about Killian Hayes as a basketball player, as a, as a basketball thinker right that he would he would come here and he would just get to work like he knows that he has to develop he has there's things he needs to do obviously you have tom thibodeau and head coach uh that is you know we know the stories about whatever whatever uh anti Tibbs propaganda gets thrown out there about the harsh workouts and stuff but killian's the kind of kid to me that you know maybe he's not like jimmy butler like tibbs perfect but or RJ Barrett, Tibb's perfect, but he's the kind of kid that I think could do well under a coach like Thibodeau just because he knows how he knows how to learn. He knows how to show what he's learned on the court. If you watch his if you pick the first game and the last game of his season, it's like two different players. He learned so much in his age eighteen season and it shows itself game to game. I was watching each game, the progression. Like you see him growing up on the basketball court as a decision maker, as a thinker, and I love that.
0: The, the one other thing I just want to throw in real quick uh, for anybody who hasn't, who just wants to know about Hayes and is unsure about him, you should watch the Schmitz, uh, the Mike Schmitz thing from ESPN. Um, but also, like it, the the Nilakina comps, I could see someone listening to what Chris just said and be like, oh, great, another guy who you, you said thinks the game at a high level to a lot of people I think who have watched Frank and be like, oh, great, he's going to overthink it and he's never going to drive the ball because he's going to be afraid of like, well, what do I do if I get close to the basket and there's a large human standing there? Killian Hayes, like I know the free throw attempt rate is not like perfect. It's That's probably one of the less desirable uh, of his statistics from, from last year. Um, but he – I do not think aggression – is a a problem for him it's more that he only has one hand right now (laughs) no not literally uh that would be a problem but um he only uses one hand right now um but that's a that's a skill thing i think he's like yeah of course he has like finer points to work out but i i think him him thinking the game at a high level is going to be a benefit in a in a big way i think
1: the big thing that um You know, that Chris brings up that that sounds good to me is the progression piece at the end. He says that, you know, if if you look at him in the beginning of the season, his first game to his end, you see the big progression. Um, And if you can extrapolate that as a young 19 year old and figure how he can hopefully develop with the coaching staff that we now have, who has, you know, at least perceived around the league a decent reputation for development, um, that could be a really good fit. And that kind of takes me to uh, another player that I want to talk about in terms of someone who's progressed a lot from year to year. Obviously, not with the same upside, but a player that's really been uh, polarizing through a lot of draft Twitter, um, and that's Obi Toppin. You know, I, I this is a guy that I've written about, um, you know, have talked about, and um, you know, I think it would be fair to assume, and you guys correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, that. You know, uh, you might be a little bit down, more down on him than than others, and and maybe for the Knicks specifically because his weaknesses are going to be highlighted on a team like ours. Um, but this is a guy that I'm really interested in. Uh, at his size, a true shooting percentage of 68%, synergy profile is crazy. 99th percentile in overall offense, 95th in transition, 98th in the half court. Um, a really good passer out of the double team. I, I think he has a really nice touch around the basket. The defense is really bad. Footwork, uh, you know, um, uh, not the op- the opposite of loose. Uh, stiff hips, um, you know, not not being able to stay with his man. Um, talk to me a little bit about you know the the negatives that you see with Obi Top and maybe why he wouldn't necessarily. And anyone can jump in. Um, with the Knicks, just because I I think it's an interesting conversation because I think there are some pieces that that uh, at times some people miss about him.
0: Um, I'm Chip. Just uh, so I get I know what Chris thinks of Obi. Chip, do you like Obi or are you on the fence or are you not not a fan? I'm not on the fence just because he reminds me so much of
2: Jaleel Okafor, and I'm a Duke fan and I watched him. At Duke and we won the national championship that year and I knew how good we were and he was still so frustrating to watch and when I read about him and everybody says oh the knock on him is he dominates the, the lesser players and he struggles against the better teams. I just remember Okafor and how he would score 30 points and grab 25 rebounds against Elon and do the same thing against like Wofford and a terrible like NC State team that year and then he would struggle against good teams. I remember when, like, Jakob Pertl kicked his ass in the NCAA tournament. He had, like, six points. And everybody was like, wait a minute, is this guy really that good? And I, I remember thinking the same thing. I remember hoping the Knicks wouldn't draft him. Like, so, and I think Kevin O'Connor even, like, compared him to Julio Loko like, his defense to Julio Loko And it's just, it that really worries me, taking a guy like that who struggles that bad on defense at the collegiate level. Like, hey, he's going to have a tough time translating at the NBA. Level. And I know we have Tibbs, and if anybody can pull any sort of defense out of him, it's Tibbs. Well, but he
0: can't but... pull a magic wand out of his ass. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We also we
1: also have Mitch.
0: So can yeah. I? So I'm. I you know what? I'm not even. I'll let Chris talk about the defense because, like, the notion of like, well, who's he going to defend in the in the playoffs? Like, we're we're so far from that. And like, if they if they if they drafted a guy and he made a big impact, do I think that Leon Rose would flip him in a heartbeat? You know, at the right moment, absolutely. So put put that aside. We you mentioned Mitch. We have Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson. I don't care how many off season videos he puts out. He's existing mm-hmm. in the in the restricted area. That is his home. Yeah. And if he's not in the restricted area, that means he's setting a screen on his, as a threat to get to the restricted area. That's that's Mitchell. it's all the only place he wants to be. So when I keep hearing people talk about how OB – Toppin would be a great fit with Mitch because Obi Toppin can hit a three-pointer. I'm like, okay. what is? Do we really think that's... so? Are the Knicks drafting an offensive player in Obi Toppin to go hang out on the three-point line? No. They're drafting... They. I'm not saying they, they are doing this, but they. You anyone who's drafting Obi Toppin is drafting him to get to as close to the version of 2005 or what, 6, whatever it was, Amari Stoudemire as they can... Get to right, that's why you're drafting on the top. And you want that dude. That dude made his money in the exact same real estate on the floor as Amari Stoudemire And I'm sorry, but like you can't tell me that him and Mitch are are like that is a functional pairing. I just I just don't know how it's gonna work because it's like, yes. like anthony davis can shoot a three-pointer we have seen him attempt three-pointers repeatedly it is a part of his game it makes him a more versatile threat but ultimately the reason why the lakers don't really get going until they get their center off the floor and anthony davis is in the middle is because they're occupying his real estate so Mm -hmm. i guess that's my look is is it possible yes julius Randle and um someone else who, again, wants to live in the block and his three-point numbers are actually bad, unlike Toppin. Him and Mitch together on the floor after um, Mike Miller took over as coach were actually not that bad. Um, So Again, it's feasible. But but why are we drafting for feasibility? Especially when there are these other concerns and questions. And, oh, by the way, if you draft Obi Toppin, that's basically what he... So then Julius Randle is is what? He's going to you, like you, you can't just tell him to go away. He's like you have to do something with him for a year. And I know, like every every uh, draft, you know, a, a national draft person. It's like, well, why would the Knicks consider Julius Randle? He's not a part of their future. No, he's not a part of their future. But guess what? He is a part of their present, and they're gonna have to deal with him for the next year. And the last thing I want is for the next year to go by, and every day it's like, well, you know, the Knicks two two. The highest usage guys both play the same position. This sucks. Like, I there are so many ways that this could go poorly just on offense. I'm not even talking about it on defense. So, I like Obi Toppin as a possible player for some team out there. I just for the life of me, I can't see it being the best use of, of this particular asset at, at, at this, this point in the draft.
1: I think the positional, um. I guess proximity uh, between where uh, Obi and Mitch are going to get the majority of of their shots—that's definitely a strong argument. Like, like that's a point that I have to take. And I I want to respond to that, but I want to get Chris in here, um, just in kind of what what you think about you know Obi's fit with the Knicks and or, and maybe just your opinion on him as a prospect. Any anyway.
3: I will start by saying that with the first part of his spiel, John made my exact anti-Christian Wood argument. Um, so that, you know, you covered that too. And I just think uh, with, with Obi, something that Spencer Perlman, world's greatest basketball scout, pointed this out to me. Um, Spencer, thank you for letting me ask you a lot of stupid questions about basketball scouting. Uh, he pointed out to me that Obi Toppin's center of gravity is legitimately in his neck. Um, and that's, I think that's where a lot of the defensive issues come from. Um, you watch him on the and his, his center of gravity is like in his neck. Like, I'm like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, he looks like he's lumbering around. Like, I, I, I don't know. I can't, however good he'll be on offense. You have to be decent enough on defense to not play yourself off the court on that end. And like, I just, I don't, especially on the Knicks with Johnson, with Randall, with Mitch, uh I can't see it going as well as people. Think, oh, we're going to get Obi Toppin, the high-flying scorer from Dayton. By the way, the the bad teams that he beat up on, you know, Fordham's in the A-10, so so we were one of them. And uh, so watch, watch what teams you're calling bad. But um, no, really, Obi is – he concerns – he's number 11 on my big board because I think this draft is that bad. Um, but I just can't – I wouldn't take him – I'm, I'm very best player available, like that philosophy. So I, I wouldn't take Obi Toppin with the top ten pick. Uh, top ten pick, really. Um, and I think that that says enough about my thoughts on him as a prospect. Because for this guy to be, oh, you know, Cleveland at number five, this, you know, wherever, I don't. I see John Collins, except uh, worse at shooting a little bit, and then really, really worse on defense. Uh, and that's just not that's not that good of an NBA player. I don't care where you're, you know, people are like, oh, you can't draft that guy at number eight. Like, no, it's a weak draft class. This is a role-player draft class. Um, next year, we're going to have Okoro's and and Maxis and Denny's going in, like, the late teens. You know what I mean? That Like, next year's draft class is juiced. But, you know, for this year, OB is a guy that, you know, it's, it's the role-player draft, and OB is someone you're, you're banking on a lot of things coming along. To an NBA level for him to to really succeed, I just that's not where I want to put my top ten draft pick. The Knicks are at number eight, which would make it even worse. Uh, I think if you can if you really figure out a way, like if you have a center who can stretch the floor, or you can figure out a way to hide him on defense, and you're not taking up his his space on offense. Yeah, Obi Toppin can look really good. John said once that he he wouldn't be too surprised if uh, if Toppin did come to New York that. It, you know, if he had a rookie of the year type campaign, even if he didn't win it, like like there's a there's a world where Obi Toppin is in the rookie of the year running because the Knicks featured him on offense every play. You know, whatever it is, but the offensive scoring explosion is only so valuable uh, when the defense is that bad. The defense is that bad, so I can't I can't really be fully behind him.
0: And teams um, are teams as a are prospect. smart too, like you're not going to pull one over. Like there are no more Isaiah, I was about to say there's no more Isaiah Thomas's and Joe Dumars running teams, but that's not true anymore. Um, It's like GMs who are trying to win a championship, all they have to do is, it doesn't take any genius. Just turn on the TV. Turn on literally tonight, tomorrow, the next day. Look at the teams that are succeeding and look look at the types of players who they are succeeding with and the style of play they are succeeding with. And then on both ends of the floor, and then I, I feel like, or it, what team? Even like I could see him going to the right team and putting up twenty and ten, and having like you know, is sports? Do they still run Sports Center? Is that still a thing? Like <laughs> having Sports Center, having Sports Center dunks and whatnot, and like I, I already see it. Nick fans like feeling clowned again because like oh we pa- if they pass on it like oh we pass on this kid. I don't care. I just, it's not it's not it's not what I want anyway. But you like him, Jeff. I so do. Well.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, me. like, listen, you guys got strong arguments. Um, you know, you guys researched this a ton, r- respect your guys' opinions so much. But, I, I you know, I think the thing for me is the strongest argument against Obi Toppin is is maybe his fit with Mitch. It's also that he turns the ball over a shit ton. Um, but my thing is this, I think the, the experiment for how Obi Toppin could work with Mitch and NBA is actually happening happening in Atlanta next season. As as Chris pointed out, Obi Toppin is a guy that I see um, with some John Collins similarities. And and you sure. talked about the shot. I don't think John Collins actually shot the three that well in college. I think I think Obi shot way better than him. I, I do think Collins's numbers were. I think he was nineteen and nine, and I think Obi is twenty and six. Um, but I I know that Collins had some some defensive uh inefficiencies there were there were worries about him you know me and chip had on brad roland who's an sb nation guy that covers atlanta he talked about you know the the fit is the fit that i'm trying to talk about is him and clink capella right clink capella is your rim runner someone who mitch has been compared to a lot so if i'm gonna if i'm going to theorize or or hope for a fit it's going to be Something that hopefully looks like what Atlanta might be doing with John Collins and Clint Capella there. I don't know if that's going to work 100% or not. But if it is, um, man, this guy is so dynamic. I, I, well, what and does Atlanta
0: have the – in fairness, what does Atlanta have the – Trey week
1: Young. Week? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I was going to say. Yeah. yeah I, I, I,
3: was, I was literally just going to chip in and say, yeah, well, Atlanta doesn't have DJ Augustine as their starting point guard. So, like – if you draft top, and that's probably where you're going at PG next year. And and Look, here's the thing,
1: I, I I and I agree with you guys. Like he's he's not number one for me, and that's why you know what I mean. But like he's he's up there for me. I wouldn't put him so much lower because of what we don't have. But at the same time, I'm going to couch that argument by saying, um, as as the organization, I know best player available gets tossed around a lot, but I do think it has to be best player available with some type of fit. In mind, and I agree that Obie's is a little messy at best. But man, I just I fear that he's going to be putting up some monster numbers. And yeah, you could say he they is. may not lead to wins, but I I think at some point some somebody's going to figure out how to use that guy, and it's just going to be it's going to be tough to watch. I don't know.
0: If if you're telling look, I am not I, I want to be very clear. Uh, I don't know if your show gets aggregated. I, I'm not I'm not suggesting this. I'm not saying I want to do this. But if you're telling me. That like the Knicks were were going to do the, the trade that has already been rumored, like Mitch, to to try to get the number two pick, and you're gonna end up with uh, Lamelo Ball and and Obi Toppin, and then like I I guess you start Toppin and, and Randall next season together in the front court Woo! that is going to not nah, um, that be
1: really I bad. mean just
0: just change the color of the paint in the Garden to red, yeah, um, you know with like. Maybe you could get one of those, like a, one of those crossing guards. Except that the, the both, what is it? One sign says stop, and the other sign says go. Like th- there's no stop; it's just go on both sides of the sign. Um, <laughs> like you know, Frank Nillakina would need to grow a, a third and fourth arm out of his ass, and I don't, still don't think it would make a difference. But like that's at least a, that's a thing that like okay. If you're going to tell me I'm watching the whole ball and, and it'll be topping and, and like that one of those dudes is, is working with the other, like that's fun and exciting. And like, at least there's a thing there that I could get excited about for the long term. It's just, man. But like, you, you know, you said, it's, it, it all comes down to fit. It's like, what environment are you putting these, these guys in? It's um, true. So we'll, you know, I guess we'll see what happens.
1: I think that's fair. Um, uh, uh, the next place I wanted to move on, I know chip wants to get here on in here on this, um, you had talked about in the, in the newsletter today, the, some of the Knicks, uh, there are sources in there that say that the Knicks are all in on Fred Van VanVleet. Um, for you, I know that, I, I think, talked a little bit about the contract size, maybe being 12 to 15 uh, per year. What does all in look like? Oh, so up, uh, he, he <laughs> telling us it's going up. So what does that look like for you? I- I I don't I
0: don't know I listen they're not they're not gonna like offer them a, I I mean I sh- I shouldn't say they're not because it sounds like I'm reporting it I don't think they're going to offer them a max I don't think they I don't think there is like no limit by which they would they would stop at I just think to the way the reason I phrased it that way one that's the, those are the words that I was told but for me personally I was under the impression that they're. The Knicks would basically, unless they could swing a trade for a star that is, that's not going to happen this this summer, they they were not going to take on any money past the the follow, next season. And um, again, at least by what I've heard, that is that is not true, at least where Fred Van Fleet is concerned. They are willing to go and offer him, because it's, obviously it's going to take more than one or two years to get him, whether that means they're going to go three years, whether that means they're going to go the full four years, I don't know. In terms of the amount of money you know, the market seems to be that it's going to be around 18 a year. Um, I, you know, they, they know that. Um, I, I don't know, but I think that they are like, I think you're going to start to see reports come out as we get closer to free agency, which who knows when that's going to be at this point. But like, the Knicks are gearing up to, like, that's going to be their midnight guy or whatever it is now, 6, six o'clock guy. And I actually, I think yeah. Fred Van Fleet's going to take pitches. I think he's going to listen. I think he's actually going to do the free agent thing that, like, the biggest, biggest stars don't do. I think he's going to do it. Um, you know, whether it works, whether he wants to leave Toronto, I, I have no idea. That I can't tell you. I've brought up, and I bring this up
3: as seriously as as I like. It was reported along with uh, Van Fleet's potential suitors that he's a sneaker free agent. I find it to be no coincidence that Puma grabs Jay Z, Clyde Frazier, Knox and Barrett. Um, Now we see Lamelo Ball wearing Puma t-shirts and shorts around his house, and I'm pretty sure I think they offered him a PJ. Is what I'm I'm gonna be honest. Like it was reported that Lamelo Ball got offered a private jet by a shoe company. I'd say that was Puma because. Oh. I saw a photo of Lamello, like, I think it was Lamelo getting on a, a jet that had a Puma logo on it, so, Puma, no, Puma, I, I own a pair of Puma Clyde courts, they're my favorite basketball shoes that I own, because I play in them literally every time I hoop, uh, I have the white and pink ones that RJ wore all the time, uh, look at me, I'm like a little fan and um, <laughs> I, I just think, I think that's serious, I think, you know, if FPV is a sneaker-free agent, and New York is in, is in consideration for him, I think Puma reaches out tries to you know they have Danny Green they have Bagley Ayton they have they, they Michael Porter Jr they they're signing a lot of people trying to build up that basketball brand and i think F V V is a realistic target for them so you know if the the puma connections to the Knicks, i think that that could potentially help us in a in a pitch to FVB but you know if he doesn't want to leave toronto has a he just had a kid right if he doesn't yeah. want to leave toronto wife He's and not- kid whatever then
0: He's not. He's also not coming here to a shitty basketball situation, um, and so, like, I don't. I don't know what their pitch is going to be, but I. They, it's it has to, It's going to have to include like, this is why we're not going to suck ass for the next for the entirety of your contract.
3: Um, yeah, I was going to say not the next year. Like the like for your deal, we're not going to suck because why would he? Why would he not just stay in Toronto? They have Gasol, Ibaka, Boucher, and FBB. All are going to need new deals um i think ibaka is someone that like maybe a team like the nets might go after that's total speculation but like they need defense so right um i think Toronto's going to be able to pay for fred and i i can't see them not like wanting to like i can't see them being like nah we're good like we'll let him walk um do they trust their development farm like that much i i i think fred Van Bleed's good enough that you can't just do that like you you should pay him um john was on this way before me he he was. We were doing like the first mailbag ever back in like October, and John was like Van Fleet. This is when you still thought his name had an F in it. Van I Fleet. <laughs> like I'd offer him any. Van Fleet. I'd offer him any deal. Um, and this was you know almost a year ago now. I, a few months back, got got on the got on the wave of, of wanting FVP in
0: well, New York because you know just it re- just very really quickly on Van Fleet for anybody who's like still has questions about him. W- and it's, it's complicated because Tim Hardaway Jr. like got hurt, and I actually think that that contract, if he didn't get hurt, it's like, go, go look at the leading three-point shooters this year. Guess what? Tim Hardaway Jr., seven attempts a game on 40% shooting. Um, but like Van Fleet offers such value off ball, and the, obviously the big difference between him and Timmy is his defense is like otherworldly. So I, I don't think that they're – what whatever number they go to, there's, I don't think that there's ever going to be a world where anybody looks at Van Fleet as a, like an albatross. Like this guy can't play basketball. Like he's – like there was a while there where Tim Hardaway Jr. was talked about as one of the worst contracts in the NBA. I don't – like again, you never can predict injuries. But like Van Fleet, between the shooting, the playmaking, and the defense um, and the switchability. Like I know the guy is short, but the guy – he's a brick shithouse. Like there's – like that guy is going to play. 30, name a team in the NBA. That guy is playing thirty-five minutes for them. If you need him. So I didn't know we had a Steve Mills apologist on the show tonight.
1: <laughs> Zing!
0: Wow, I love it. From the dorm.
1: From the dorm. Um,
0: I'm done. Yeah. So uh, I'm. I love Fred we we'll, we'll see. I, I would not go. I, there's. There is a. There is a cap to how much I would want to pay him
3: yeah they, i what 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 is it for you like 480 4 for 85 is that you don't go over that look at me i'm i'm, in, I'm asking you questions on their show the I, I think i am <laughs> i, no, yeah,
0: I, I do four i do four for 80 and full fully guaranteed i'd give four for 80 with a player option in a heartbeat um i'd like it Whoa. descending i'd like it descending. yeah optimally if i can get the contract descending i might go i might go a, a little higher um but i don't know I, I i don't think i'd go above 90 i that's cuz like he what is he in t- in today's nba and this is why it's like a weird question because you know in in theory a player of his value who can't be a primary initiator he's not an engine to an offense and if he's if he's your second best player you're not going to be very good like even with all the other good stuff that he does he's not a pure point guard um and if you if he is your your point guard you're only going so far so like there are caps so like because of that his value, he's probably really only worth maybe $15 million maybe even less than that in a perfect world so it's like at what point does the overpay so diminish the value of the asset that people are going to be like well i really i do like fed benflee but i don't want to give him you know 8 mil- i don't want to pay him 50% more than he's actually worth so like something like that I, that's why i there's a there's a there, there's definitely a cap
1: I think that's fair. Well, do you fair. think
0: the Knicks can get him, John, if they don't overpay? Isn't that the only
2: way they can get him?
0: I I'd, again, I would be talking out of my rear end. I don't know. Um I don't know how they're planning on selling him. I don't like Who knows? Maybe maybe Fred Van Fleet wants to average 25 points a game next year. Like yeah. I he's not What were the other teams that were reported? Uh Phoenix and Detroit, right? Detroit, yeah. So, okay. So, Detroit <laughs> but Yeah, but then the, the, here's the thing about going to Detroit you have to go to f- fucking Detroit. Um, yeah, exactly. No, no shade. Phoenix, on maybe. That. Phoenix, maybe. Yeah, it's well, but you're. But it's a. I mean, it's a great situation, and maybe you're. Yeah. But so, but again, you're third in line in Phoenix because you got Aiden and, and Booker there. So, mm-hmm. if you're gonna just be third in line in Phoenix, why not just stay in Toronto, where you know, where you don't have to worry about like a crazy owner, and you have like the best GM in the sport. It's like. If he wants to go for to a place where he could score a lot of points and, you know, pote- like, and plus, like, he seems like, I don't know if you saw, if you guys saw it today, he was one of the people that was quoted uh, being outspoken against yeah. the, the latest, just unfathomable tragedy that happened in this country. We don't have to talk about that. Um, I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he, he, there's a part of him that wants to be in New York, which could is be. the media capital of the world. I don't know. I just, I don't know. But that uh, also may attract totally him random. to
3: Toronto. Oh, sorry, Chris. Go ahead. No, no to, just one sentence to make a totally random uh, point about Phoenix. I still think that Lavar Ball was completely right when he said that Lonzo should like if Lonzo's going to get traded, that's the spot because Lonzo Ball and Devin Booker would be my favorite backcourt in the <laughs> league. By <laughs> would it wouldn't, it wouldn't be close. It wouldn't be close. Those are two of my like favorite players to watch. I, I like Lonzo. I told you, I love high IQ like. Players that really you know look like they, they have a real idea of what's what's going on out there. I love watching Lonzo. I think he'd be perfect in Phoenix. Hopefully they do that so we can we can get rid of one of the FPB suitors. Ricky Rubio getting no respect. <laughs> he just keeps playing well, and now you want to replace him with Lonzo Ball? It's uh, It's less. of uh, I don't know about. I I would think that Lonzo wouldn't displace. Rubio is like I don't know. I just think you well, see like Mitchell. Uh, uh, you're right. That's that's. Right. I forgot that they had. They have two more years of Rubio. I'm pretty sure right?
1: could, I'm yeah. pretty
0: sure they could find a taker for Rubio. Not in. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think. I, I agree. The Lonzo and Phoenix is an interesting fit, but I don't think they're a suitor for him at this point. But yeah, no, I don't. Honestly, God, I, I just Rick. that's
3: my that's my backcourt dream. Ricky Rubio's is awesome. I love Ricky Rubio.
0: I
2: wanted him on the Knicks so bad.
1: Yeah, I think there's been so a couple bad. of off seasons where we've hoped that you know the front office would somehow kind of snag him in here a little bit.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, last one before we let you guys go. Um, it's more necessarily about the coaching staff. So in filling out Tibbs' coaching staff, uh, you know, there's been a bunch of names rumored. There's obviously we got Johnny Bryan. We have Kenny Payne. Um, Mike Woodson has been rumored pretty heavily. Rick Brunson has ties to uh, Tibbs, Pat Zipfel, Dice Yoshimoto, uh, You know anything at all in, in who you guys think you know may have the odds and favor to to fill out the bench there?
0: Um, I think Woodson's going to be going to be Woodson here. was who I was going to say too. Yeah, Woodson. Woodson I'm not right now. Yeah, I, I like. But like, Shams report, the day Tibbs had the press conference. Shams reported that it was going to happen I, during the press conference. <laughs> <during> the press <laughs> I was writing an article. I was writing an article about what Tibbs said
3: in the press conference. <laughs> and mid-breaking mid, mid freaking news article, more breaking news comes
0: out. Was that was like, a flex. God damn it. That was a flex <laughs> from Shams. Um, I think Tibbs will get... So... I don't, have I written this in a newsletter? I don't even think I've written this. Um, I was told that Tibbs would have somebody that would like kind of be his guy, so to speak, okay. on the staff. Whether, okay. whether that means... Um, one of his past guys, I think, uh, was it Andy Greer? Yeah, Greer there's yeah. Andy. Pink, yeah, Pinkney, Baldwin, and Greer.
1: there's Pinkney and Greer, right? But I just read something. Well, Pinkney's out, okay. according to,
0: yeah, um, Pinkney. a report by someone. Um, uh, what's his face? The, the guy who's, has his own legal issues right now, uh, in, this is the H- coaching H- Thank you. Who, oh, uh, yeah. Who, he's. He's not going to accept an assistant job. He's going to be a head guy, or they'll just you stay tried taking
3: the you tried taking the topic of
0: conversation away from your age earlier, but your memory just keeps bringing it back. <laughs> My memory is shot. I'm shot. Um, but I think that they again, I, I did report this a few few days ago. This is I think they're really going to continue to take this process. Like they're going to be thorough with it. I think they're going they're scouring. League, so to speak, Um, maybe the college ranks, whatever. For for guys like they're gonna, it's gonna be a legitimate full staff. This is not gonna be the operation that was here last year. And I I, and I I want to be very clear. I don't want to disparage the coaches that were here last year because I know for for a fact that some of those guys did just amazing work. And to that end, by the way, I think at least one of those guys. Yeah, I think at least one of those guys was great. Caleb, dude, Caleb Canales is, like, talk about one of the most positive people you ever meet. He's just an awesome guy. Um, so nice. But he's also, just, like, the players respond to him. Um, and he's also been a head coach in the league, by the way. Um, yeah, in Portland, right? Yeah, briefly. He was the, I think at the Portland, time he yeah. became interim head coach. He was the youngest head coach in NBA history. Mm-hmm. So either whether it's him or Pat Sullivan, um, I would, if I had to bet, I would bet on one, if not maybe both of those guys being back. Because that's the other thing with Mike Miller probably moving on, um, because he does just want to be the fifth guy on the bench, which I can't blame him. I get it.
3: I get it. Yeah, that but I'm still makes oh, sense. I'm still sad. I like. I really it makes like sense Millie. for him though. It
0: look. Well, I mean, but it, it, look, I don't want to go on to Mike. Mike Miller did a wonderful job, and the fact that he got those guys to listen to him when everybody knew from minute 1 like we all got on Steve stout for going on tv and saying what he said but, like, but it was true it was right. true Everybody yeah. knew it was true in the moment it was true, yeah. mike miller was never coming back to right. being the head coach of this team That was captain. Yeah. um so like but, and he but my point was that those guys they listened to him and they actually let him coach them and they had no reason to so by that for that but it's i, I don't I feel like there are some Nick fans who act like we're losing some kind of an X's and O's genius, or we're losing like the next Jeff Van Gundy. Like, you know, Alfred, Alfred Payton said it, it, I, it was a, it was a passing comment when like at the end of interviews after a game last year, but it's like, I think I, I asked him a question about Mike Miller and he's like, you know, whether it's here or somewhere else, he's going to be a, he'll be a good coach in the league for a long time. And it's like, When your own guys are like, yeah, he's a good coach, but it's it doesn't, like, when there's no, like, he should, like, that was his opportunity to be like, he should be the coach of this team moving forward, and it was anything but that, you know? So, you know, maybe I'm making too much of that, but I think that was, he's, let me put it this way, he's not a leader of men, so... I don't know how I just got off on a Mike Miller tangent, but whatever. That's that's all I want. You
3: also started that Mike Miller tangent by saying, "I'm not going to go off on a Mike Miller tangent."
0: Did I say that? <laughs> see you again. You I'm old. I'm old. I don't remember what I said 30 seconds ago or two minutes ago.
1: No, but um, uh, but I but it was interesting it. hearing um, about Caleb Canales because and I literally I've, I've had no interactions with the dude at all, but one of the very few assistant coaches. That when they've been interviewed by Rebecca Harlow or whoever is doing the sideline reporting, bring up analytics. And I think that's kind of what I would like to see um, whoever fills out the bench, um, someone who can challenge Tibbs in that way. And it's not to push forward a narrative that's been like, you know, killed and drudged through the mud that Tibbs is anti analytics. Like, you know, I, I, I want to believe that he's not. And, and I believe that. Um, he has this job and, and with the understanding that he's got to modernize himself. But it but in terms of how they fill the bench, it would be nice to see them bring a, an assistant coach. And maybe Kenny Payne and, and Johnny Bryan are those guys too. I, I have no reason to think they're not. But to have somebody on the bench who kind of has that um, expertise when we're talking about lineups and things, I think that would be a, a, you know nice for them.
0: And, and that's also a front office thing. Like They, they need to continue to beef up that department, which they, which they have been doing. Um, I'm
3: hearing that they are, that
0: they're adding people
3: um, yeah. you know they're, they're they're having interviews, they're interviewing for new positions. It's not just like push yeah. out push out the old guys and fill in this no, they're adding new positions to be filled and they're, they're holding interviews, they're interviewing mm-hmm. candidates. Um, I, I've heard that the analytics staff is getting beefed up a, a fair amount.
1: That's great. Chip, how about you? anything um, before we uh, we let our guys go here?
2: No, I don't think so. We talked about. I wanted to talk about Fred Van Vliet, so I just wanted to talk about him. And I'm not a draft guy, so you guys wanted to talk about that, so I'm good. I just wanted
3: to talk Van Vliet.
1: Gotcha. What I'll
3: what I'll add about what I'll add about Freddie there is that you know we're talking about Ricky Rubio. Oh yeah, they could probably find it. I think like that's that's part of my rationale for the multiple years on Van Vliet is that I think you can definitely move that contract if need be. Like that is not a deal that. Whether it's four for 85 or whatever the hell, like, Leon Rose isn't going to be sitting at his desk, like, uh, pissed because he can't trade Fred Van Fleet. Like, no, like, he will find a deal for him. There is a team that can use a player like that out there that will give up something to get him, even if, you know, even if just not too much, just to free up room for whatever star decides that, God, I can't even... I can't even say it with a straight face.
0: Let's start. No, but to like, York, so. no, but you make you make a good point in that we've we've gotten to this place where it's like it's it's the years years not dollars, which is what Danny, Danny Larue has been saying for a while. In some instances, you you want the years at if it's at the right dollar amount, you want the years, and I think with with Fred Van Fleet, it's like. That guy is a guy you want to if you if you're paying him a fair number, which again, eighteen million dollars a year might is is an overpay for what he is or what he what you know. But like that security that you know you have that guy locked up for four years at that number is I think that has value. And if it's on a descending contract, that's even better. We'll see.
1: I mean, it's going to be crazy interesting to see how it plays out. You know, uh, between now and October, and and then when free agency finally finally hits, um, a lot of moving parts. But at least I think in the short term, we've seen that this front office, um, John, like you said, is, is taking a long um, view of things. They're measured in their decisions, and I, I think you know we can be we can have tempered expect- expectations as of now. Um, but we'll see, right? I mean, that's what Knicks fan, being a Knicks fan is. Indeed. <laughs> um, well, listen, guys, I want to thank you so much for talking with us tonight. Obviously, an open invitation anytime you want to come on the pod, of course. Um, Chris, nice meeting you. Before I let both of you guys go, uh, please let anyone listening where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find um, your features, your articles, anything you guys are working on that you want to promote, uh, please do so.
3: Chris, go for it. All right, thank you for for all the kind words and for having us on. It was nice to meet you as well. I'll start off by plugging uh, John's own Instagram page for him. Yeah, I think I just followed him today. On Instagram, (laughs) you'll see some, I don't know who made them. I have no idea, but someone's been on that Instagram posting some pretty snazzy. It was my idea
0: to do that format, so you got some (laughs) of it from me.
3: Uh, I don't know. That's those are allegations. Um, someone's been posting some pretty snazzy, some pretty snazzy stuff. Uh, or rather, two people, Claudio and I, um, have been on there running that follower. I haven't checked, but they they're going up. John, business is booming. So, um, they follow John on Instagram at JC <laughs> on Instagram. Is we that are, what it is? That's my Instagram. JC, it's the same as my Twitter. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding? Me? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I told You're you not that old. Dude, you're not my that old. My wife <laughs> I had that. I've had it for years. I've never.
0: Done it really. Oh,
3: good God. Yeah, go follow John on Instagram. As for me, uh, uh, at Chris Percianen on Twitter. I'm not even going to try with the name. You'll you'll see how to spell my name in, in the episode description. Um, and I, I co-host two pods, the To a Tolerable Degree podcast, which is a general sports pod, and Bleed Orange and Blue, which is a, as you can guess, Knicks podcast. Our most recent episode on there actually – has my live reaction to the lottery results. So uh, if you were ever curious about just like, yeah, you just, you really hate me. Like I tweeted out a Mitch <laughs> trade scenario and you just, you hate my guts. Go listen to me suffer on the bleed orange and blue pot. Uh, that, that, that's what you'll find on there. And thank you guys again for having me on tonight. It was a pleasure.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, yeah, I look, people know where to find me. I, I just want to say real quick, it, it's, Oh, no. look! Get a load of this guy. What, <laughs> <laughs> they, what do they do? What they do? They know. The people know.
3: The people know. Where to Anyone listening
1: to this podcast probably does.
3: Um, no, you're not wrong. It's just I, I, <laughs> I, people people who don't know like how much of an ass I am to John. If you I mean, don't know <laughs> to this pod and, yeah. and and think that I'm this terrible person,
0: I'm, I'm not a. Ter- I'm just. I'm gonna a here, generally a, bad person. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say two different things. Uh, one. Uh, just just go go if you're listening to this go, go support an independent content creator because um, there's just so many people doing so many great work so much great work um the strickland just launched all the pnt guys oh yeah. uh, just doing doing yeoman's work over there making getting that off the ground and just it's it's been really nice to see um and uh the only other thing i'll say uh on a, on a i don't know how else to put it than other than on a down note it's like you know, some uh, we just we had months and months of, of uh, talk and and protests and this and that and you know uh, Jacob Blake gets shot seven times in the back uh, a couple days ago and it's like you know when the fuck is it gonna end and um, you know we're we're four white guys in there bullshitting about the shitty basketball team and it's such a it's such a wonderful privilege to be able to do that and. Um, God, I, yeah, I don't know, I just, I, I don't, it's, yeah, I just want to say that, because it's really, um, it's it's quite a world we live in, and uh, sure. everybody, I hope, wherever you are, if you're listening to this, um, you are at least cognizant of either your privilege or your place in the world, and uh, perhaps think about doing something uh, to use that for change, for the good. Uh, So I'm gonna end on that note, and thank you guys for having me on.
1: Absolutely, John, I couldn't agree more. Um, You know, unfortunately, we hear that there's a possibility that Jacob might be uh, paralyzed, and it it could be permanent. So our thoughts and prayers to his family. Anyone listening, uh, be aware of your local representatives, vote, get out, um, you know, create some type of movement. Uh, That that's the only way. You know, something like this is gonna stop. Um, But uh, once again, thanks to uh, Chris and John for coming on from Chip and I. We hope everybody stays safe and we will talk to you guys soon.